welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together, they make up the Church Safety Guys. Their mission? To inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, good evening and welcome to the night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I am joined by my co-host this evening, Mike. Hi, James. How, How are, are you, you doing, sir? Good. Good, good. It has been a long week. Yep. <laughs> that it has. For sure. So has. If I know you were a little under the weather and uh, done some traveling yourself and Yep. This is not the, this is not the week for me to, to be sick. We have uh, vacation Bible school next week. So it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting week starting off already <laughs> for <Not> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, if you, if you're just joining us or you join us at a later time on YouTube or one of our, our podcast uh, platforms, feel free to like, and subscribe uh, on on that, uh, you can click on that lower uh, button on the right-hand corner, and then uh, feel free to like and share our content with your church. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to tonight. Uh, I look forward, honestly, I look forward to every broadcast. But uh, tonight we're going to be talking about church security uh, and facility planning. And uh, I know some folks might think or might be asking the question, "Well, how does this?" Um, how does this directly impact church security? And we've talked about doing assessments in the past and, and that sort of thing. But how this is, I think, how this is different and why I think this is important is because a lot of churches, um, if they're changing their facility or if they are uh, looking to start a church plant like we are <laughs> in, uh, in the Columbus area, oftentimes it's kind of nice to... Uh, to consult with with someone or bring someone in to kind of talk about um, some of the opportunities ahead of time. And, you know, for me, we've been running really very close to the same playbook at, at our church for the last 13 or 14 years. And so um, yesterday I had a, a, a brief conversation with our planting uh, church pastor. And he said, look, he said, you're, you're going to be over uh, church safety and security, and I want you to do it from the ground up. And he, he said, his response was, you know, that, should, that shouldn't be a problem because you can just copy what you're doing, what we do now, right, at this church and bring it over. And the more I started looking at it, the more I said, well, you know what, there's some stuff that I would do differently moving forward. Um, because it's, and it's not that it's, that's bad things or anything, but it's like, if you had a clean slate and you had 15, you know, 14 or 15 years experience of doing that, how would you do it different from, you know, when you first originally did it? And sometimes it's easier to set policies and procedures before you, you get into it versus trying to change the tide of the ship, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Try to steer that. So yeah, so I've got a few um, I've got a few meetings that I set up, and uh, 
I'm, you know, I've, I've been able to dig into a lot of resources and really evaluate a lot of the stuff that we share with churches, uh, including from uh, Full Armor um, and some of their policies and procedures and just looking at stuff folks have shared with our group in our group and that sort of thing. And uh, it's kind of, kind of opened my eyes a bit to um, some of the things that, um, you know, we could change or do different or um, maybe, you know, maybe we don't want to change if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's opened my eyes to a lot of conversations specifically about facility. Like where, where do you put a children's ministry in a building? You know, do you install cameras right away? How does the flow of the building work and, and everything else? So, um, it's definitely a, it's, it's definitely an interesting time for me going through that information, but I will well, throw it. I'm, I'm uh, in an interesting situation as well, where I am advising uh, another church and they have uh, secured some land and they're looking to start down the path of building over the course of the next 18 months. So they're starting through the discussions of requirements and architects and starting to get into that planning process and what that might look like both from how do they utilize the land effectively and i'm trying to assist them with looking at it through the lens of safety and security again just like you said uh, certain policies plans things like that are better done up front same thing with the facility is we can look at that uh, in the design phase and not have to play catch up or adjust later because of going into a a pre-built building that you then have to modify. But in this sense, it's a chance clean slate right off the beginning and say, hey, these these are must-haves. These are considerations that you should have up front, and here's why. And so I've I've started to dabble in that world as well as uh, (laughs) certainly the the normal role in in my home church. So um, many hats at at the current time. For sure. And that's, you know, that's kind of, it's interesting going back into that, um, into that, that area, because, you know, for the longest time, like I said, for the longest time I've, I've done safety at our church and now, you know, I'm stepping out and, and the, the, the pastor is like, he's, you know, he's a a good friend of mine, but his comment to me yesterday was, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know yet because I've done safety for so long for the last, you know, 13, 14 years that, uh, I'm interested in, in, you know, taking a step back and he's like, well, you can take a step back, but I still want you to be the safety director. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, uh, okay. So anyhow, without, uh, without further ado, let's bring our guest in. Sure. So tonight's guest, uh, Tim Cool, we'll bring him in here. He's the founder of Smart Church Solutions, um, I guess formerly or co-known as Cool Solutions Group. Um, I know there's a little bit of a rebrand that I uh, uh, listened to there. Um, There is a podcast that they have, and uh, Tim is the author of several books. I was mentioning to him before we came on air this morning is the only collection of books by the same author um, that uh, comes in second from our, our church safety guys books would be Mr. <laughs> Tim Cool here. And so I, I'll, I'll hold those up right here and 
got that library uh, collected here and pouring through them as we speak. So Tim, welcome to the program. Why don't you uh, get started and uh, give a little bit more detail about you and your background and, and uh, the company. Thanks, Mike and uh, James. Uh, it's great to be with you guys. Um, uh, fair warning, I was a preacher's kid so I can talk for the next four hours. Um, <laughs> so you, you just tell me when I need to shut up and I'll, I'll do my best to, to adhere to the rules. Um, but it's great to be with you all. Um, a little background on myself. Uh, as I mentioned, was a preacher's kid, um, Christian college, got out of college, um, didn't quite know what to do, and then started following my father-in-law around uh, building churches. And so I spent the first 24 years of my adult career building churches across the U.S. Um, had the opportunity to build about 5 million square feet of ministry facilities, uh, which is really exciting. And around 2008, 2009, in the middle of a recession, uh, which is a wonderful time to always start a new, new career, <laughs> um, I was really burdened by churches that I went to that I had built in four or five years prior that the buildings looked like they were 20 years old. Because hmm. churches generally just don't take a very good, do a good job on taking care of their buildings. Um, we, we call it the house of God and then we try to treat it like a house and not like a complex commercial real estate investment. And so we moved, um, we still do a little bit of consulting with, with churches on master planning and building and whatnot, but the majority of our time is now spent helping churches think through what we've dubbed as facility stewardship. And I'm a firm believer that everything on earth belongs to God. Amen. And as such, we are stewards of God's to, to take care of the stuff he's entrusted to us. So we're basically, I mean, stewardship growing up as a pastor's kid always meant money. Right. You had a capital stewardship campaign. Yep. And so, you know, you'd pull out every verse in the Bible about stewardship when you wanted to raise money. Well, you know, what was it, 10, 15 years ago, the EPA came out with environmental stewardship and opened, I think, people's eyes that stewardship really just means you're taking care of somebody else's stuff. Mm -hmm. So, if we're truly biblical stewards, we're taking care of God's stuff, and that includes his church buildings. Um, so that's kind of the crux of who we are you know, as a company. Uh, personal passion on that is, is I believe that everything has been entrusted to us. The reason why my last book, Mike, is called Entrusted yep. is, is, is it's just that foundational thing of what we believe, believe as a company. That's great. Now, I and, and with that too is maybe the is is Cool Solutions Group the is that the newer name or is that the older name and now it's Smart Solutions? I was trying to understand which was which. Yeah, so um, Cool Solutions Group is still the legal entity. Okay, and it's what it was called originally. Um, we a few years ago noticed a lot of brand confusion between Cool Solutions and our software product called eSpace. Is we'd go to a conference and people go, oh, you're the people that help with facilities. And then we'd go to another conference, oh, you're the software people. And they, it was like they okay. couldn't understand. So we tried to come up with this umbrella of smart church solutions that kind of houses both cool solutions. I can't tell which side my chest is on. Um, cool <laughs> Solutions Group is kind of our consulting side. And then eSpace is our software side. So they both kind of housed underneath of smart church solutions. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. Very cool. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had to do that. I knew that was going to come out at some point, but the uh, uh, that's great. No, it, it's it's wonderful to hear a uh, another person speak about the the duty and the service and what's necessary within um, houses of worship and whether it's uh, yourself looking at it from a space and facilities perspective or us looking at it from a safety and security perspective is that it is a ministry. We are entrusted with with a duty to both protect or to steward or protect a physical building, protect systems and structures and uh, spaces and surfaces and things like that. And yet there's there's this this overlap, if you will. Um, I, I see the, the, the need for uh, facilities reaching out with safety and safety reaching out with the facilities side. And there's, there's a continual overlap, not just in the technology, but certainly in the, the fact that, that there are two ministries that are kind of coexisting together within, within the church buildings. And very often we see ministries almost as silos, that they're stuck within themselves, that they don't do that outreach within other teams, that they're not necessarily engaging well. And that's one of the areas that we've been talking about is how do teams, uh, safety and security teams, better engage the other ministries within the church. And so facilities is one of those areas. So tell us more about how kind of how you feel the, the, the facility side of things works with other teams within the church. Yeah, that's a great, great point, Mike, because what we've seen over the last several years is it's not just facilities and safety security, but IT becomes a massive part of that. If you're thinking about doing, at, I asked a question, you guys may be familiar with the church IT network. And, and we, I asked their membership about a year ago. I said, how many of you as IT professionals have taken over responsibility for your card access systems? Yep. You know, all of them yep. said we had. Yeah. What happened is card access that used to be a facility component now has become an IT component because if you don't have the right bandwidth, if you don't have enough pipe to, to handle the internet, yep. um, you know, it, it, there's a joint venture that has to be going on. Same thing with any other connected devices within your building. If IT is not involved, security and facilities are going to be in real trouble. Yep. And um, really as strong as that weak, weakest link or that weakest yeah. connection. Exactly. Yeah. If, you, if you only have a 50 megabyte uh, internet connection, and you're trying to run Wi-Fi thermostats and you're trying to run uh, IP yep. cameras, you're trying to run, you name it, you know, you're going to run into trouble. And, yep. um, and so then you have to take all of those technical, what I'd consider those three entities, facilities, safety, security, and IT as the technical side. And now how do you marry that into the how do I say this nicely? The touchy feely person side. Okay. Nope. Um, you know, if security and safety is really an important thing for your church, then are you willing to tell that 30 year veteran in the nursery that she can't serve unless she gets a background check? You know, so how do you properly communicate without damaging people? And, right. and how do you convey messaging? Because we, I think we all would agree that the, the security system and the facility and the IT system is not the church. Correct. They are merely tools within the church to help fulfill a function of the church, which is the three of us and all the body of believers is, is the church. And so how do we then 
make sure that we don't let our myopic thinking. I mean, I, I'll go to a conference and I'll let people know, hey, as far as I'm concerned, you can fire your pastor and save the budget money for the facility. You know, obviously, <laughs> tongue in cheek, um, because I'm myopic in my thinking on facilities. But also being a preacher's kid, I know that the, the building will never save a soul. Right. Sure. The building will never disciple a believer. I do believe that it plays a big function in accomplishing those tasks, but in and of itself, it cannot accomplish those tasks. So safety, security, facilities, IT, we are supporting casts to the rest of the staff. At the same time, we're also not the redheaded stepchildren. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I, I just want to jump in real, real quick here because I know what you're saying. We, from a church perspective, the church that I've gone to, I think we're 57 years now and we're, we're on the second pastor. And so it's interesting because every time we roll something out, um, like we had a, uh, a family invest in the, in, uh, invest in safety and security and they wanted to help the church, uh, when we, we decided to add access control. Uh, for sake of key control and monitoring who was coming and going and that sort of thing. And some of the some of the reactions we initially had uh, to members that had been, you know, going there for years that everyone had a key, everyone could come in and go whenever, you know, whenever they want, <clears throat> excuse me, wanted to. The the reality was we couldn't we couldn't be good stewards. Stuff was turning up, disappearing, you know, stuff would break, stuff would disappear, um, all of this stuff. And when we rolled out this new process of let's put some access control doors in and, and, uh, and kind of beef up that system and, and be more, I guess, a better steward over key control and that sort of thing. Um, the reaction that we got and the pushback from, from individuals that had been going there for years could have been a train wreck, right? Because everybody, if you change something just a tiny bit, just a little smidgen, all of a sudden, you know, that, uh, that can really mess up somebody's world. But how we communicated it, like when we actually sat down, we talked about a strategy and saying, okay, how are we going to explain this to the congregation? How do we roll this out? How do we nicely, you know, address that with, with the individuals that could have, you know, potentially, had an issue with it. And, you know, the end result was that it was a far, far more successful rollout because people understood the value and the importance of taking care of stuff. It wasn't just a, hey, we want the new IT or the new, you know, state of the art technology in our building. It was, okay, we communicated that and, and really spent the time doing that. So you think, James, when my dad was pastoring and I was growing up, it wasn't uncommon for our fourth, fifth grade classroom to be right next to an adult education classroom that was then next to a senior adult education <laughs> classroom on a single corridor, double loaded in both directions with no check-in. Well, right. in, in society, whether we like it or not, your first time guests with small kids are going to expect there to be a check-in, a security mm -hmm. checkpoint, that their child is going to be safe when they drop them off. Um, sure. you know, Mike, you mentioned about, you know, as you guys start thinking about your new building, you know, one of the key factors for us when we're looking at designing buildings is a centralized kids check-in, no adults allowed without the proper, you know, security beyond that point. And I prefer a single check-in, not a 
um, or at least a single check-in area, not a mm -hmm. grade school on this end and nursery on that end. Because yep. from a first-time guest experience, I want to go to one place, check mm -hmm. in all my kids, even if they go down two different corridors after they get through the security area. And you know, those are just things that you want to try to try to do for people or even uh, a mother's room. You know, it used to be the mother's room was, you know, behind the glass at the back of the sanctuary that everybody could still see through if the lights were wrong. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to suggest to people do your mother's room at your nurseries, but put it on the outside of the security area so that they don't have to, if they need to, if they've come from the sanctuary with a child, they don't have to get into a security area or if they've been paged to come, they can get the child at the security area take care of them outside the secured area and then return them to a secured area. And you've not breached any security at that point. Absolutely. That kind of describes our current setup. Um, uh, our church, my home church is we have both a, a single central check-in for the, the children's area. And that's a control point. That's where from a safety security perspective, we can staff that so that the the input as people are checking off that nobody's going out the the indoor if you will that they're checking people in and and that's and then we have a single exit door uh from there as well so they check them in they uh the workers take them over down the hallways it does split to the multiple classrooms at that point but that entire wing is uh under a single door essentially one door in one door out separate doors and mm -hmm. so we're able to staff it accordingly so at pickup time they're checking all the numbers and making sure so no child is released even from their classroom into the hallway without that check. But beyond that, we have it staffed to, to make sure that no one's coming in the outdoor, that no no kid is, uh, pulls a jailbreak and gets out from one of the workers, <laughs> uh, which we've had a few times. Uh, but but adding that additional component. Now you talked about the mother's room, same sort same sort of thing exactly as you said, Tim is that it's it's accessible enough to those that are coming out of an auditorium sanctuary area but they can it's still separate from where the nursery might be and it's it's turned more and more into not just some place where we can pipe in the service from a um, audio video perspective and so they can hear what's going on it's not necessarily through glass to your point anymore but it's it's almost become a lounge so it's a space mm -hmm. for them whether it's a crying child whether it's the mother wants to nurse there versus in the sanctuary. We don't require them to, but it's they could go there. They could change the child. They could just calm the child down if need be, but they're still getting that same environment, but it's secure as well. Mm -hmm. And so our security team will let somebody into that area. And so that that has its own space, but again, separate, um, creating that those distinct environments. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's great because uh, that sort of thing is what I'd love to see brought into the uh, building design for, for this other church that I'm working with is because that central choke point adds the ability to control. I mean, you, I've seen some churches where literally that you send them down the hallway, but they could just do a horseshoe and come out the other side. And, and so you get, now you got to staff it with two people if you don't have a control wall, if you don't have a single point of access. So the, the ability to staff it from a safety and security perspective is directly driven by the facility design. Yeah, the, the, you know, the likelihood of an active shooter is minimal in, in, in our world, even though it makes the news every time and it's tragic when mm -hmm. it does. But the, the reality is, is 
your security team is more likely to deal with an estranged parent or grandparent trying to take a child. And yep. if you do not have that security point in place, you've made yourself susceptible. Um, and, and what happens if you need to have five volunteers to handle all your access points to and from kids area and three of them can't make it on a Sunday? Now you're even more vulnerable. It's just, um, you know, to, to me, the better the design, the easier it is to staff. And Absolutely. so facilities can help drive staffing as well. Mm -hmm. Are sure. you just out of curiosity, Tim, are you seeing a trend with like we've we've been trying to find a building to use for the, for our church plant? And I'm just curious if you if you're finding a trend that individuals prefer using like a warehouse type setting and retrofitting it or converting it over to a church or if there's a specific model or style that you're seeing in in church building today as as more. I guess more of a preferred method for doing that. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a great question, James. The a, a lot of it is driven by economics. Sure. You know, in today's uh, wild construction costs, you know, yeah. you could you could spend three hundred fifty four hundred dollars a square foot uh, mm -hmm. for your building, your site work, your FF&E, your AVL, your you know all your infrastructure stuff. Where if you can buy a building that's been abandoned or an old warehouse or shopping center or something, your, your TI, tenant improvement cost, might only be a hundred and a quarter mm -hmm. a square foot because a lot of it's in place. Now, with that said, too often churches immediately think, oh, if I can go find an old grocery store, this will be the ideal <laughs> place for me. And they go find this big grocery store with columns every 20 feet that you have to work around uh, with only 17 or 18 foot ceiling heights which are great for your kids' spaces and maybe lobby, but not great for worship. Um, and so you have all of these, you know, other things that that kind of become problematic. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, well, yeah, it was a grocery store. Okay, but does it have enough electricity to handle a today's modern AVL system? Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, that's a good yeah, point. <laughs> you know, if it's got air conditioning, that's great. But retail or commerce. Re, um, HVAC is different than assembly requirements. You got to have fresh air intake in return and so on and so Very forth. Yep. And then how about sprinkler? If, if it seats more than 300 people and in the states that you two are in and that I'm in, the way they calculate um, seating, if you're going to use chairs, it's basically seven square feet per person. Mm -hmm. And so any, any auditorium bigger than 2,100 square feet has to be fire sprinkled. Interesting. And so, yeah, that's great. But now all of a sudden I've got to spend seven, eight dollars a square foot just to sprinkle this building that I thought was a deal. And then is there enough parking? Is there, you know, it goes on and on. And, on and, on. <laughs> and pretty soon you got to ask the question, am I better off to start from scratch? Yeah, certainly sometimes I would think, I mean, in our situation, we're, uh, we're working with, uh, they bought land, so it's going to be from scratch, whether we like it or not, uh, for for this specific <laughs> location. Um, and it, it presents unique challenges in that sense. Um, I know we're coming up at, at the half hour or so here. Um, James, anything else you wanted to catch right here? Or do you want to go to break? And no, I'd say I so far so good. Let's let's uh, take a quick sponsor break, and then we will come back and uh, and be right back with you. 
right back with you. So don't go anywhere. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. to the Church Safety Guys broadcast. Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources.
Welcome back to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. Uh, we're talking tonight with Tim Cool of Smart Solutions Group, and we've been unpacking a bit about uh, how facilities is important, in, not just uh, to your church, but to the world of safety and security. And so I want to continue on that thread, Tim. Um, if you could talk about some other thoughts of what you've seen in the churches that you've engaged with, and I know it's it's hundreds, and I think you may have even, uh, your last book said a thousand. So um, uh, tell us some more um, about what you see as the overlap, perhaps, from a facility and a safety security of what do you want to look for in your building if you're starting from scratch like we're looking at um, and perhaps planning for a new building, what elements do you want to make sure to focus on or as part of that plan up front so it doesn't burn you later? Yeah, so one of the things that churches think that they're doing themselves a favor by not implementing and they're actually hurting themselves is evil hates the light. And when you're thinking about a building, whether it's an existing retrofit or a new construction, make sure that your parking lots, your walkways and buildings are well lit. And with the, with the inexpensive LED, as far as your utility bill, there's no reason why your lighting shouldn't be on all night. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, avoid your, those hiding places, you know, with high shrubs and stuff around your building as well. And, you know, so those are just practical things that, frankly, in a lot of ways, just don't cost you any money. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're just smart to do. And so right. even some of your inside lights, with LED lights, there's no reason why some of your foyer areas shouldn't be lit, you know, all, all night. The the other thing, um, it, I love that you guys uh, are called church safety guys and not necessarily church security guys. Because there's parts of safety that are related to buildings that we often overlook. Number one is whether churches like it or not, we are subjected to OSHA. Yep. Okay. So if you're if you're going to have a building and you're going to have a man lift, have you trained your people how to use it? Do you have the chain guard on it to to keep it safe? Does every one of your ladders have a weight limit sticker still on it? If, if not, you you could be fined by OSHA if they came by and did an inspection. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so what are we doing about OSHA? Should someone on your staff be at least 10 hours certified in OSHA training? People say, well, why? Well, again, it's a complex yeah. commercial building. And, and sure. there are some things that apply. And while it's maybe highly unlikely that OSHA will just do a pop-in visit once you're in your building, if you have a neighbor that doesn't like you very well, hmm. or someone at your church is disgruntled and has left, and they decide to make your life miserable, and they call OSHA and say, hey, you should see the way those guys get on ladders and run their lifts and everything. You need to go do an inspection. It could make your life miserable. The other two areas that we find churches do a very poor job on maintaining after they move in is their AED batteries mm -hmm. and their first aid kits. So we do inspections of churches. We do we do several dozens a year where we go and do facility condition assessment. Mm -hmm. And the three areas that we see most often out of date is the um, fire extinguisher, the AED battery, and the first aid kits. I mean, I've seen first aid kits where everything has been 10 to 15 years expired. 
or AED batteries that have absolutely no juice at all. So put it into perspective. Someone is having a heart incident in your church and your, your first response team has been trained on how to use an AED. So they go and grab the portable AED, they bring it to the location, they unwrap it, they get it all ready and uh, nothing happens. And that person maybe, maybe dies. Yeah. Who's, who's responsible for that? The church will be liable for having equipment that was not functional. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. so we, we can't just think in terms of only security, but these are components of our building that, that need to be updated. Um, you do not want to have someone grab a fire extinguisher and have it just peter out because it's, it's not properly charged. Um, you know, those things, you know, your fire marshal should be checking those every year anyway. But if you're, I've seen in rural areas where sometimes it goes two, three, four, five years before the fire marshal makes it around. And so right. just, you know, we've got to be on top of that. Um, we also need to be very aware of cybersecurity issues. Um, most churches now have internet and multiple internet connections. They maybe have a staff connection, a volunteer connection, a cafe connection, and you name it and so on and so forth. Um, what are you doing to secure people's identity and people's access in your building? And what are you doing to protect attacks on your building? Um, the, the, when I'm designing the building also, Mike, one of the other things that, that I find important is rethink how many exterior doors you're gonna have. You know, there's, there's a couple of things that happen and you guys know this better than I do, but the more doors you have, the more escape routes you have, the more break-in points, because frankly, the, the doors and windows are your weakest point of entry in any building. You know, right. Most people don't break through brick to get into your building. They go to a door or a window. Right. But you know, you then think of the cost of putting proper um, card access. If you've got 50 exterior doors, uh-huh. that's an expense you don't need. And when you're thinking about um, you know, escape routes for kids and other people. Now, all of a sudden, you've created even a, a more opportunity for people to escape. And as a first-time guest, if I pull up into your parking lot and I see 50 doors and it's not real obvious which one I go into, it's likely I'm going to go from door to door and grab the wrong one and try right. to get into the building, particularly if it's during the week and there's not a mass of people going into the facility. Yeah, for sure. The, one of the other things, and this is going back to the discussion about the master planning and site site plans, mm-hmm. is churches, church architects and, and church civil engineers too often fail to remember that a church is an event venue. That, that sounds a little crass, but at its nature, it's a venue that has events at it. Mm-hmm. And you think about places like a, a, a ball field, professional ball stadium, you think of Disney, you think of other event venues. One of the things they don't have is something that we refer to as the river of death, which is that ring closest to the building where the cars are zipping by as people are trying to leapfrog from the building to their car. (laughs) I deal with that every Sunday. (laughs) And people do that because, well, we want to drop off granny at the front door. Well, there's other ways to handle that. And so most of your event venues have an outside ring that then you pull down into and then have pedestrian walkways 
to the building so that it's a safe passageway from the parking lot to the building and back and forth. And so anything you can do to avoid the river of death um, in your parking lot so people don't have to play Frogger to get to their cars, that, that's an advantage. It's funny you say that because for the last, gosh, eight or nine years, every Sunday I've, I've done traffic control with one of our, our officers uh, that it, him and his family attends, attends our church. But every Sunday, religiously, we've gone out, he and I have gone out because that's how our building is. You have, you know, you have a, a hundred, about 150,000 square foot church building. And on each side of the church building is a awning for people to pull up and drop folks off. Well, then on the other side of that awning, you have the driveway and all the parking. So what happens is, you know, every Sunday people come and kids will come running out, out the side of the building while we're directing traffic to exit onto our, our main street. And it's taken quite a bit of time to train people to actually stop at the awning and wait for direction because, you know, people are, are leaving the leaving the parking lot on their phones, you know, and mm -hmm. not paying attention. And, um, you know, even, even with the officer and I standing there with, you know, green fluorescent vests on and clothing, <laughs> they're still, they're still not paying attention. So that is a, that is a really good point. The, the, the whole idea of the parking lot is something that, that, that I'm fairly passionate about is, I think every church should have a parking lot ministry and I don't call it a parking lot team. It's a ministry. Um, I don't care if your church is 50 people or 50,000 people. Um, there, there's several, there's huge benefits. Number one is it, is it puts together a, it, or it conveys a, we care enough that we're going to meet you in the parking lot. We care about your safety. We care about the flow of traffic. We want to give you a smiling face when you pull in. There's just all this, and that is actually your first, in my opinion, and I'm not a security expert like you guys, but that's your first line of defense. You see somebody getting out of their car wearing a trench coat in, in you know, Austin, Texas in the middle of July, that's yeah. probably somebody you need to go chat with before they make it to the building. Absolutely. And, and so it, it serves multiple functions, but mm -hmm. give you just a little story. So I was part of a church plant back in the 80s. And um, we, we worshiped in a gymatorium, sanctinasium, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and, um, and so the deal was, is I was in my 30s at the time. I won't tell you how old I am now. But it, I was, um, <laughs> the deal was on Saturday morning, there was about 20, 25 of us that played basketball in our sanctinasium. And then we would set up the chairs and then go home. Well, the church eventually built a sanctuary with pews and our, they didn't need us to set up the chairs anymore. And we lost something as a group of guys because that group of guys, you know, you'd show up for, for basketball, then you'd be setting up the chairs. You'd be saying, wait, how was the football game at the high school on Friday? How are you guys doing? How was life this week? Where'd you travel to? You slap each other on the butt and, you know, all the stuff guys do. When, that, when they didn't need us to set up anymore, that group basically dissipated. That was really my small group. If that church could have thought about, and I wasn't smart enough at the time to, to suggest it, if they could have said, hey, why don't you guys go serve in the parking lot? 
and here's some really cool green and orange vests and some, <laughs> some neat little things and you know so on and so forth we probably could have kept that group together and continued a ministry that yeah. frankly you don't want me to serve in your nursery okay my wife and i had triplets i'm done okay so <laughs> there, there's no more nursery duty until there's grandkids and uh, but i would have happily served in the parking lot as sure. a way to serve in a more manly kind of way that would have served multiple purposes for our church absolutely we've talked a lot on the show about uh, the the power that the parking lot can be not just as a ministry but to your point uh, that ring of protection if you will that that extra set of eyes where they can alert the safety team early on where they can engage uh, the public as they're uh, arriving and creating that welcome environment and uh, circle back to something you said at the beginning tim is that that's where safety and it and facilities we're all about creating or facilitating an environment that creates an opening for church, that creates that opportunity for community and discipleship and engagement. Each one of our teams plays a role in creating that environment, whether it's right. uh, um, making sure the trash is taken out, making sure somebody has a parking spot, making sure nobody uh, uh, needs medical attention, or, or, or needs an AED, or there's a threat of some sort. There's so many different layers to it um, that, that's part of it. Um, I wanna pick up something that you, uh, you mentioned earlier as well on the, um, the OSHA component. And we do talk very heavily a lot in the world of security. And I think that's very much the attention that um, this industry is getting is more towards the security side. We like to try take the umbrella as safety. Um, but to your point, there is many things there, slips and trips, um, uh, curbs that are crumbling, uh, lighting that goes out, um, poor paths, as you said, to, to people's cars. There's numerous layers that I think aren't necessarily thought of either by a facility side of things or even by the safety team or security team because it doesn't necessarily jump to top of mind. And so these are things that you, you talked about, it, Tim, through assessments. Uh, we talk about it as doing a facility walk, um, not just on a regular basis. Um, every time I arrive at my building, I loop the building first in the car and see what I'm no able to notice driving around the entire perimeter of the property. But then I do my rounds as I get into the, the building on Sunday morning. And I'm looking for things that are out of place. What doesn't belong there? Um, the number of times I walk through a stairwell and it's covered with a whole bunch of debris or different things that was on its way out that never made its way out to the dumpster. And now you got a, a primary egress route that's blocked up. And so it's, it's that responsibility of, of joint ownership, I think sometimes between those that if you're in a church that has the benefit of having um, either a full-time uh, facility team or, or uh, a person at least designated in that way, or even a volunteer team that assists with those duties um, uh, to cater to the events that are going on there in, in the weekend. Um, those different things, you've got to have that joint responsibility. So you've got to have communication between those safety folks and those facilities folks and say, hey, did you catch that? Or did you notice this? Or did you notice that? And the more there is that communication across, the more they can stay on top of it. So I know you were talking earlier too, Tim, about um, that stewardship, that responsibility of taking care of the building. Um, 
why don't you talk a little bit more about that side of things and how you truly see it as that uh, a duty for stewardship? Yeah, so churches churches will spend millions and millions of dollars to build a building. And too often they don't think about what does it cost? What is the cost of owning a building? So there's a big difference between the cost of building a building and the cost of owning a building. When you look at the cost of owning a building over 40, over 40 year period of time, which is generally the, the time frame that that's used in commercial real estate, um, anywhere from 70 to 85% of the cost and money spent over that 40 year period is attributed to operations. Only 20% or less is attributed to the actual sticks and bricks to get it built. And yet we too often gravitate to the new shiny thing. We get all excited about the new red carpet and the white steeple and you know all the things that we're gonna do with the new building. And we don't properly plan for what's it going to cost us to take care of the building and to steward it long term. Um, most churches we work with are grossly underfunded in their general maintenance budgets. Um, most churches in America are grossly underfunded in their capital reserves. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it gets worse and worse because when you don't fund general maintenance the way you should, you get this kind of maintenance that everyone should avoid, which is called deferred maintenance. And deferred maintenance grows exponentially over time. Um, you can take, let's say you walked around a window, Mike, when you were doing your inspection, let's say you're the facility manager and you see caulk at the outside of the window separating. Where's water gonna go? Right there. <laughs> so you can spend about $2 at Home Depot and get caulk and fix that or you can wait until the drywall on the inside of the wall turns black from mold and you'll spend tens of thousand dollars to fix something that $2 would have fixed. Yep. That's deferred maintenance. Sure. And it's interesting too, that, that you mentioned some of that for, for the listeners that are still kind of scratching their heads over a discussion of on facility type things. Many of the churches that, um, actually many of the churches that I've gone to safety security facility overlapped everything so closely, you know, the individual that was responsible for facilities was also responsible for, you know, doing, doing 10 other functions. So, um, and actually if, I think if Paul was with us tonight, you know, he would, he would be able to bring up stories of when, uh, when he was doing the maintenance stuff as, as well as <laughs> security and safety and that sort of thing. But um, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting topic. So we very much appreciate you joining us tonight. And um, if you, uh, I guess if you, if you had one, uh, one focus for somebody that was looking at that, or one, I guess one final thought for someone that was looking at, um, starting or building their facility, starting their church, that sort of thing. Uh, Tim, what would your, what would your thought be on that? Yeah. Two, two thoughts, James, right off the bat. Number one is before you actually break ground, make sure you've counted the cost of what it's going to cost to operate the building. Sure. I, I had a church, no joke, a church in Nashville that brought me in after they moved into the building and the pastor was so upset 
that they built 60,000 square foot. He couldn't understand why the utility bill went up. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's so, awkward. <laughs> yeah. Count the cost before you actually build the building. Let's start there. Um, the second thing is if you can't afford to do all the things that you ultimately want to do, whether it's AVL, security cameras, door access, put the infrastructure in when you're building. Mm. It's a lot cheaper to put conduit in now than it is to tear drywall out later. And Absolutely. so what I suggest is that churches have an AVL, an FF&E, an IT master plan in place. What is the ideal system that we would want in this building, even if we can't afford it today? And let's either run conduit or let's run the CAT6 cable or whatever we need. Let's get it in place now. We can buy the hardware later. For sure. And I can honestly, I can attest to that too, because we're, we're running when we install cameras in our building, we're running, you know, cat five cable up through the drop ceiling and we're finding coax and everything else that's been there for the last 50 years that people have run through that. When we, I think it was about six years ago when we added on to our facility, um, we added a, a, a metal, metal building for basically extra classrooms because our church was growing and everything. Um, when they went to do that, one of the first things that was discussed was, okay, from a security standpoint, you know, what do we, um, what do we need to know? And the individual that was actually over the, the security team at that point said exactly what you just said. I want to be able to run conduit and run, run cameras and everything now because I know even if we're not using them, you know, 20, well, five years from now, we're going to come back and we're going to say, we want new cameras. We want this or that. And we want to be able to, to update the system. And that was for, for my job today, that was probably one of the best things because every time I, I deal with the camera system, you know, it's, it's just 10 times easier. So thinking ahead and looking at it from a standpoint of, you know, not, not today or tomorrow, but, you know, even five years from now, like, what do you envision your ministry? What, what would the capacity of the building be? What would the building be used for? All of those things I think would be really great to, to keep in mind for sure. Absolutely. Sure. Jim, why don't you, we take this last minute here. If you want to uh, uh, kind of plug, uh, I, I can hold up the books individually. If you want to give a quick 30 <laughs> second, talk about it for you give the, give the folks at home an understanding of what what they get going into that and then uh, how to how to reach out and contact you if they're so interested yeah so you can go to smartchurchsolutions.com and in our resource section we've got a i guess we've got about a half a dozen to a dozen ebooks free ebooks and downloadables and then you can also access my books they're also available on amazon um one of the other th sources similar to what you guys have is we have a Facebook group called Church Facility Management Solutions. We've got about 1,100 people involved in it. And uh, when we started, it's only been up for about a year. Uh, but when we started it, I thought I would have to seed all of the questions and feed it constantly. In the last eight or nine months, I just sit back and watch all the conversations. <laughs> and so, frankly, I'm learning as much as they are because these guys are, are practitioners and, and don't don't tell anybody this, but I'm a theorist. 
Um, <laughs> I've never served as a facility manager, um, uh, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, and so, you know, reach out to us at, at Smart Church Solutions. We also have a conference coming up in September. Uh, it'll be a two-day virtual conference that uh, you can learn more about on our on our um, website. Um, but yeah, I just really appreciate the opportunity, James and Mike, to be with you guys today, and appreciate your heart and passion for for the combined efforts of facility and safety and security. Absolutely, this this was great. I, I, I as it's it's rare that we get folks that um, are also authors are also out there with a ministry <laughs> mindset as well. And so, I mean, we've had a few on here and it's always a great conversation um, to get uh, other folks that are in that, that world. So uh, certainly uh, amazing to have you on. Um, I, I know uh, you mentioned uh, Nathan is in Belton. I just looked it up. He's, he can't be more than an hour away from me. Hmm. Um, and so uh, the, uh, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity in the future if there's a desire to talk safety and security uh, in your world of beer podcast um i could drive up or we could join virtually so thanks so much um james you want to pray us out sure yeah let's go ahead and, and uh we always just close in prayer and then uh we'll we'll call it an evening so gracious heavenly father i thank you for tonight i thank you for uh tim and his ministry and and the hard work that he's doing uh to just teach your truths. And uh, Lord, I just ask that you would be with him and put a hedge of protection on him and his family as he uh, as he ministers for you. Uh, bless us this week and just uh, be with us as we go about our daily activities and uh, bring us safely together again next Sunday night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So I will real quick uh, before we wrap up, I would just say um, we have one more week for the uh, early bird special for purchasing the uh, Church Security Essentials Conference tickets. That's actually good uh, for the rest of this month. So if you purchase a ticket, a basic uh, regular admission ticket, then you would actually get a free um, Church Safety Guys book. And we still, we still have tickets available. So that's October 2nd in Columbus, Ohio. You're welcome to join us. And uh, you can get more information on the speakers and the um, venue and different things in the area uh, on our website. You can visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. And um, other than that, feel free to like and subscribe to our, um, our channels. And if we can ever help you, or, uh, if there's anything that we can ever do, um, to coach you or, or help you get through a situation, please reach out. And, uh, uh, we would love to do that. So Mike, anything else you want to add to that, sir? No, it's great. It was, uh, another great episode, some good gold nuggets in there. Um, unpack some as, great stuff. I was just going to say, <laughs> we didn't get to say unpack as many times as we normally do, but, uh, uh, that that normally is uh, Paul's job to count those. So, we'll, yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll, yeah, for sure. But, and uh, I would I would say, um, you know, again, just uh, just keep Paul in your prayer. He's he's still feeling under the weather, and uh, I know he he wants to to get back with us, but we were, we've kind of told him to to chill and <laughs> and get better first. Uh, he's he's been hit pretty. Him and his wife have been hit pretty hard with. Uh, with a cold and 
flu. So, um, but other than that, uh, we will be with you next week, uh, next Sunday night. So have a great evening. God bless. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.